Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football, with your host, John Bauer. I'm looking to sell everybody price dependent. Dan LaMagna. Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen. Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. Welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Theory, a proud member of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network. I'm your host, John Bauer. You can find me on Twitter at The Bauer Club. And today's episode is brought to you in part by Kangaroo. Kangaroo was created to ensure that everyone has access to home security. Every product Kangaroo makes starts with three questions. Is it simple? Can it be produced at a price that everybody can afford? And is it secure? With Kangaroo, you never pay for unnecessary bells and whistles and you know your data is going to be secure. The front door security kit is a simple setup with no tools or tech geeks required. If you have Wi-Fi and a smartphone, you can use Kangaroo. Go to heykangaroo.com to learn more and start keeping your home safe today. And be sure to use code RINGDONG. Yes, that is RINGDONG for 20% off any Kangaroo complete subscription order. Now, without further ado, I am joined by Dan Lamagna. That is at FFCoachDan on Twitter. What's up, Dan? It is great to be back with my boys tonight, and I am excited about our special guest. And this may backfire on me, but I'm hoping not, JB. You know, you and I, you know, we agree on a lot of things, but when we disagree, you know, you and I often can't let things go. So tonight's guest, who I have not met yet, but when I when I think of tonight's guest, I picture the black and gold and that Twitter avatar that we see all the time. And I am curious if she will approve or disapprove, unlike some of our past guests, of your backdrop of no Pittsburgh Steelers jerseys, and you are a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. So I, I cannot wait to hear this after the introduction, JB. And we'll see what that answer is, because if I have, I've never kicked a guest off of the feed, but depending on what her response is, that this might be the first time. But we are also, and, and she's given me, and I roll over there, that's all right. And we are also joined by Mitch Sorensen, that is at DinoMC on Twitter. What's going on, Mitch? Hey, everybody. I'm excited to see someone, you know, pile on John for not being a real Steelers fan. I'm ready for it. Everybody piles on. It's fine. I'm used to it. Our guest for tonight, she is the co-host of the Fantasy Debate Podcast, none other than Sam Holt, and that's at Samantha R. Holt on Twitter. What's up, Sam? What's up, guys? I'm so excited to be with all of you. And I mean, I didn't realize I was walking into, you know, a shooting gallery already, but I will 100% jump on you. I mean, you're, I love that we're both Steelers fans. It's fantastic. It's just, it's not that I don't like it. It's just like, but why? Like, I mean, you clearly have a gap behind you. You could definitely easily fit in another jersey back there. <laughs> I tried to get a Juju jersey. I did. But the price got a little too high. And then after, Dan, don't put your hands down. And after I got the five jerseys you see behind me, my wife warned me that if I get another jersey and another frame, there's going to be an issue. Sam, his argument in past shows has been fantasy before reality there with his real team. But I think he could have the best of both worlds. And Juju should have been his first one. That was a good suggestion you provided. Yeah, no, I, I think best of both worlds. I mean, I, I have so many, you know, fantasy like players that I love and follow. And those are my guys, my boys. I mean, Aaron Jones being one of them. And I haven't purchased a jersey yet just because if I'm going to buy another jersey, I'd rather wear one from my team that I can wear on Sundays while I'm cheering on my, my team. So, I mean, I guess it would be cool. Have you seen those jerseys that get split in half? You know, where you have, like, have half a number and half. If I could get one that's got like 10 splits across and I could just get all my players and then maybe the veins <laughs> go vertically across the back, that'd be great. It'd have to be much Sweet. bigger. You guys all know I've made a point, especially lately, to be so much more positive on Twitter. And then I have three people attacking me. Come I'm on. not attacking. I'm just no, saying, I feel but attacked. Why? But why? I could be so much more aggressive, but I'm not being that aggressive <laughs> right now. <laughs> well, based on the, the picture that you tweeted out from the weekend with, with 
a few beverages. Maybe if you had them in you, you'd be a little bit more. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. You would just be like completely nailed to the wall right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. Well, I I lucked out then with this show being on a Monday, not over the weekend. You did. I did just get home from work. (laughs) There we go. So let's get into it. And Sam, admittedly, when you and I, we did a guest spot together on the fantasy armchair podcast and you talked about how you like to play dynasty on the safer side. And I, I think that's a very interesting concept and philosophy that I want to discuss because you have people that they talk about the upside and the risk and getting ahead of changing values. And then you have people looking more for balance. So I just want to talk about, before we get into everything else, your overall strategy and kind of the types of players that you typically look for, not specific players. Now, if you have specific guys, throw them out there too, sure. but different types of players that you kind of look to build your dynasty teams around. Sure. I mean, I think that this year in particular, maybe because I've had a little bit more time on my hands, given the COVID era that we're in, I did join two other dynasty leagues this year. And one of them, I decided to just blow up at the beginning. We had our draft. I went on way too many trade rampages and I was like, screw it. I'll just get all my first round draft picks. And I just had like 20 first round draft picks for this year's rookie draft. So that team is super, super young. I've never gotten the ability to do that with a team before. So I wanted to experiment with it. But overall, the dynasty team that I have that I've been building for the last eight years in one of my leagues, we just had our um, free agency extension this past weekend. So for me, those players, what I've built so far, I'm trying to win again this year. And I think dynasty, you kind of sit back every year and you think, okay, am I am I going for it this year or am I continuing to build? I feel like sometimes dynasty teams are a bit like sandcastles. You know, you feel like you've got one, you've got it in the right spot. It's going to be really big. And then all of a sudden you just get blown over by a wave and you're like, this year didn't work. Salvage all the parts, start again next time. So for me, I try to build around players that I feel like have the best opportunity where they're at for that potential over the years. Cause I don't like getting players that I just go by the wayside year after year. I would just do redraft if I wanted to do it that way, but I want to hold on to these guys for a long time. So I want to be able to see that growth. So for me, I mean, I extended Uh, players like Aaron Jones this year. I extended Deshaun Watson. These are players that I feel like I got another couple years out of them. Watson, I feel like I've got more years out of than Aaron Jones, but I feel like I'm still towards the top of that coaster. I don't feel like he's going to plummet this year. I feel like I have another potential to win this year, probably the year after he might be teetering off, but I've also got Josh Jacobs, who I see just having an incline. So to me, I'm looking for those guys that are right at the top of the arc, I suppose, before I go through a rebuilding process. I'm still in the top end and most of these players So that's kind of, I guess, the safe way to look at it. This year, I'm playing safe. Maybe I have them dart throws next year. We'll see. Let's say you took part in a startup this offseason, and you said that you had one that you basically restructured and you're looking ahead to the future right away. Mm -hmm. And that's always, I mean, I, I think that's a fun approach. And it's always fun and interesting to have a few teams like that in your portfolio. But, you know, one of the things that really stood out to me when we did the guest spot together you talked a lot about the, the rookies. And mm-hmm. at that time, this was before Damian Williams opted out, I okay. think. Was it? Probably, I don't know. yeah. And you had Clyde Edwards Alaire much lower in your dynasty rankings than consensus. Mm-hmm. So one, is that a player maybe you came around on a little bit more now that Damian Williams has opted out? And two, can you kind of talk about your how you're looking at rookies this season if you were in a startup? Because you know every year the rookie hype is out of control. Oh, sure. And I'm absolutely one of the people that's leading trains on multiple players that's just like, it's going to be amazing. But, you know, we never really know with these rookies. We want to be excited. We're all positive people. We want to see these guys all perform. We all want fantasy teams that are going to outperform over 200 points after week after week because we just want points like 
out the wazoo and just screw defense, just make everyone score points. Like, yeah, that's what we want. But for me, like with these rookies this year, it was all with a grain of salt. So with the team that I absolutely obliterated, I loaded up on rookies because I'm like, this year I'm not going to win. Already agreed. Like, it's not going to happen. But this is a team that in maybe, you know, two, three, four years, I could be on a crazy roll and just be repeating championships with such a young team. So I wanted to have that type of playability with that one team because it's brand new. But when we're talking a little bit about more Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I feel like for dynasty purposes, he's obviously someone that you have to take in the top round. Top rounds, he's someone you need on your team. He's obviously got immediate, you know, media opportunity there with Williams opting out. I mean, obviously he's still amazing. Maybe next year he's going to have an opportunity. But if CEH shows up this year job's kind of lost. I still think that's an, uh, an offense that's going to have a lot of opportunity for points. So I don't think that people that have him should just like, let him go completely, keep him on your bench. Maybe next year he's going to do something dynasty. I mean, that's why we hold on to these guys. You don't know. That's why we have such deep, de deep bench spots for those teams. So to me, I'm not letting him go, but I'm certainly raising uh, Clyde Edwards, Alaire up in my ranks after that opt out just for this year in particular. And again, like, Everyone loves a good rookie rookie running back going into a dynasty league. Everyone wants those because you don't know what their potential is for this year or growing like sophomore years tend to always be better. Right. And it's always like you could have the, the given asset now, or you could have the mystery box, which could be then a given asset. Oh, who doesn't uh, love a mystery box? Right, I mean, how many right. times can you buy one of those online? It's like, I don't know what I'm going to get, but it's probably going to be awesome. Dan, I think you kind of line up a little bit with Sam here because I know that you always like to build a strong young core, but it definitely seems from what I've seen that you like to build that team with a little bit more safety built in and players that could still rise in value, but you know what they're bringing to the table. Yeah. As I was listening to Sam, it reminded me a little bit back when we had Joe Pisapi on the show and that whole relative position value theory that he has there that I buy into and just balancing your roster, trying to find edges throughout the draft. At the same time, I like building along around those, you know, early mid 20 age range players that are going to have value for, for years beyond, even if things don't perfectly pan out. Mitch knows I hit age discrimination once we push 30 years old into, into the players there a little bit in dynasty. So I like where Sam's going with it. I like her takes. I like the balance, the safety. I haven't been that brave Sam yet. Like uh, yourself, Mitch and John to go all first round picks on some of those dynasty rosters, but uh, maybe, maybe someday, maybe you guys are motivating me a little bit there. And JB, I'm enjoying watching you get uh, picked on in the chat a little bit there tonight. Yeah, I see Brett creeping in there. And I can't even put it up on the screen because, Brett, you misspelled Keyshawn, man. But what about Keyshawn Vaughn, he says? Do you still love him? I still love him, you know, but it's getting a little frustrating because, one, we've been talking about that argument and, and the pros and cons of Keyshawn and Ronald Jones since April. And I'm tired, guys. It's been a long summer. The, the, the you know, it, it's hot out. I'm run down dealing with, with my son in this the time of COVID. I can't have these arguments anymore. But Keyshawn Vaughn, I would like to see some positive news come out, and we haven't seen it yet. So when we see that, maybe you'll hear me and I'll get a little obnoxious. Now, Dan, when they turn 30, that's whenever you try to stray away. I think 25, 26, that's when age discrimination kicks in for you. So you're being a little too overly optimistic there with that age threshold, I think. Uh, man, hey, T.Y. Hilton hasn't hit 30 yet, and he's on a good chunk of my roster. So that's kind of my barometer right now, T.Y. Hilton. You get older than T.Y. Hilton, I'm done with you. But you're around T.Y. Hilton's age, it buys you a couple years. And right. Phil Rivers is peppering him right now, so that's, that's a good sign. 
Yeah, we'll see how that plays out. Mitch, what are your overall thoughts here? Safety, upside, uh, targeting these younger players that we haven't seen, they haven't proven it yet, or getting these assets that, again, like Sam has talked about and we talked about already, feel a little bit safer. Yeah, I agree with what Sam said when she was talking about you want to try to win multiple championships. You want to build that juggernaut team. And that's something that I'm still struggling to do because I do play a lot on the riskier side. You know, I'll go out and get Damian Williams two years ago. Right now, I'm still more than willing to go get Todd Gurley, even though I know this year could be his last year and I'll have to trade a good asset for him. I'm still willing to go get Todd Gurley. But at the same time, that's also how you end up hitting on Jamison Crowder last year, or you hit on Tyree Kill when his value completely bottomed out. And so playing on the riskier side, you definitely do have those huge ups and valleys. And so building that juggernaut just hasn't happened for me in my leagues yet, but it's something that I'm continually striving to do. So maybe playing on the safer side does help that out. Mitch, really quick, you know I love Jamison Crowder, but did you just mention him and Tyreek Hill in the same sentence? For the price you got Jamison Crowder out? Yep, I sure am. He had, what, 120 targets last year or something like that? And, And 400 yards. It's okay. Do you have anything else that you want to talk about here in terms of the the general strategy looking at the safety versus the upside? And when we get into the rapid fire, we're going to kind of get into a little bit more. But anything else before we move on? I mean, for me, it's just um, there's a lot of reasons why I have multiple leagues because I like to try different strategies in all of them. Um, And there's a couple that maybe mirror each other a little bit. But why not in this time just take a risk and have that one league where you absolutely go crazy with just high, you know, high upside players and you just just mess with it why not because i mean what's the worst thing you lose a little bit of money on the buy-in for that league i mean i think that to me overall you have that year you figured out okay it was a dumpster fire we learned and then we move on or it's like it actually worked for you that year you've just built a team with a lot of really young high potential players that you could even win again next year so to me it's more like why not take the risk just in one league because i mean I don't see the point in having the same players in all of your leagues. It's just so vanilla. Like why not enjoy the variety that you can get from these different players? Wait, I'm actually really glad you just brought that up. Sorry, Dan, really quick. So talking about diversifying your portfolio, is that something you look to do just because you want to mix it up and it's not so vanilla and you're cheering for different players or because maybe it helps you play a little bit safer as opposed to having all of your eggs in one basket? It helps me play a little bit safer, but also because I've got players that are on opposing teams, it helps me think smarter about the teams I'm playing against because maybe they have someone I have in another league and that's the reason why I'm dreading playing that team. Okay, well, great. That means that someone's going to be dreading playing me next week because I've got that player. So it helps you think on both sides of the ball too of like, okay, I know what the floor is on that player because I have him in this league. I know that he's playing this offense, this defense next week. I can also kind of gauge that. So to me, it just helps you be a little bit more wise about the potential outcomes for your teams. Talking about upside, talking about safety, I think it's a really interesting juxtaposition there because you're looking at it from both sides of the ball, like Sam said, and trying to find that balance. Now, and and Mitch and Dan, you always know that I have these horrendous segues, but talking about safety, there is no safer male grooming product on the market than Manscaped. And we're going to cut away here for a word from our sponsor, aka also me. Who out there is ready to unveil their summer body? I'll be the first to admit that quarantine hasn't necessarily been great for my physique, but at least I don't look like I'm wearing a bear rug on my chest. I have already gone on one vacation this year, and even though I might not have that six-pack, guys, my chest, it was silky smooth. Go to manscaped.com and check out the Perfect Package 3.0 kit, which includes the Lawnmower 3.0 body trimmer, 
with a ton of other great stuff. And if you subscribe to the perfect package, not only are you going to get a new blade refill delivered to your front door every three months, but for a limited time, you're going to get two free gifts. You're going to get the travel bag and also the high performance reduced chafing Manscaped boxer briefs. And I can tell you, they are beyond comfortable. So go over to manscaped.com, check out all of the great products they have, and use code THEORY20 to get not only 20% off, but also free shipping. Again, that's code THEORY20 for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Are you trying to ever get ahead of the curve in terms of changing player values? Because there's there's so many people, and we talked about this so many times, I'm one to look to get ahead of that change in value. So sometimes I'll take a calculated risk. If it pays off, great. If not, you know, I did my research. It, it just didn't play out the way I was looking. But then there's people also, and Mitch and Dan, you see this in our Dynasty League so many times. There's people that want to see what happens first, and then they're willing to pay an inflated price for that asset. Where do you go, you know, between those two there? How would you categorize yourself? This is interesting. Okay, so I kind of wish I was the first one. But I think that my heart is the second one that you said, the latter. Like, I, I want to be the person that's ahead of the curve. And I always want to be the one that's like, oh, I totally like, you know, I was watching the training tape and I could see that he's like secretly the guy because they had this handshake and they have this rapport. Oh, my gosh, it's totally going to be the guy this year. Like, I would love to be that person that's ahead of the curve. But I am definitely more on the opposite side where I want to wait and see. And there's a lot of players that it's circumstantial. Like there's some players where I'm like, Oh no, he's, he's going to be amazing. And I will be pumping, you know, pumping the tires every year until it happens. Like Tyler Higby is someone that I, when I first started writing, I start wrote an article about him and it was one of my first or second articles ever for fantasy football. And I was like, this is going to be an amazing player, blah, blah, blah. His stats are awesome. And it was just like three years of Nope. Nope. But every year I was like, no, this is going to be his year. And I'm like, guys, his stats are going up a little bit. He's going, they're going up. And then last year I'm like, the one year I didn't take him in all of my leagues. So, you know, I feel like there's certain players that you, you get attached to. And that's what's fun, too, about getting so many rookies on your team, on a dynasty team. You get to root for them because you have this potential because you just don't know. They're so new and you get to build on them and that's exciting. But, yeah, I think for me, I'm more of a wait and see. And there's certain players like I feel like Odell Beckham, to me, he's someone I don't have in any of my leagues because I'm wait and see. Like there's too many things that have happened. I've been burned too many times by these Browns players. I was on the hype train last year for the entire offense, which just crashed and burned unless you had Jarvis Landry. So I think for me, like there's so many times when I want to be on that side and think ahead and, you know, get that guy. It's like, Oh no, you guys like secretly, he's the guy he had Thanksgiving with the quarterback last year. Their families are so close. Obviously they're going to like be throwing the ball to each other all the time. Like it's going to be ridiculous, but you know, I'm definitely more of the safer. Like, I just want to wait. Like, can you just prove it to me? And then I'll take you on my team. And I, I would say I, would probably be in the middle, maybe geared more towards trying to get ahead. And Mitch always says, I play Dynasty scared, but I, I still don't see it. Mitch, you you're do. smirking over there. Quite a bit. You do. But I think a perfect example <laughs> on for me this year would be Keyshawn Vaughn, right? It's a guy that me and you were really high on. We're willing to take him 107, 108 when most people have him in the second round because we're trying to get ahead of that value spike. Can, right can, now, can I make it very clear first? We never had to take him 107 or 108. Of so course, but nice. so if we nice. needed to, we probably would have. But the point behind it was sometimes you're going to miss out because right now, if that draft happened today, you would never have to use that price on him. You could get him for a mid-second at this point. So sometimes you just completely miss out by trying to be ahead like what we were. Right, and that's one of the calculated risks that did not pay off Damian Williams last year. One that really paid off for me going into 2018 was Chris Carson. 
oh, maybe we'll get a year out of them in 2019. Maybe we'll get this year out of them. And now we're here in 2020, and I think we might get another year out of them. And Dan gets giddy when we talk about Chris Carson, gets all excited. But we have a question here in the chat here, Dan, and it doesn't really have to do necessarily with the, the topic at hand now, but it it's something that you mentioned earlier. So with you being age sensitive, when do you look to sell a player like CMC or Saquon to get the the max return, but then also comparing that to production? Hey, the answer to those two guys is not for a long time. Uh, you know, they're in their prime. I'm looking for indicators. You know, what tells me a guy is tailing off? What tells me production's going? What tells me that the team is maybe going in a different direction? There's got to be enough of those red flags to make me want to sell. Right now, I mean, when you're talking CMC and Barkley, they're, they're number one and number two, arguably, in, in every draft possible. So it's not even in the conversation right now, again, depending on the format. You know, so I guess that's my answer to that, John. Not for a long time. They're, they're too early. They're too young. They're in too great of shape. They're on in really good situations uh now is not the time but going back to your getting ahead of the curve john i think this was my favorite question in your your show notes tonight because i, I think it's all of our life missions to figure out how to be more consistently ahead of that curve it's, it ranks right up there with me wanting to win the millie maker and uh you know dfs you know i'm, I'm hoping this year maybe you know, it's, it's like, what rookies are we on? Can we get ahead of the curve on the rookies? And you guys know I like to sell the draft capital. So for me, it's, you know, was I right on and ahead of the curve on the Michael Pittmans, the LaVisca Chenaults, the Antonio Gibsons, where I have a little bit more shares and I traded my first and second round picks. Mitch is shaking his head no. But you could even replace those names. Like, we all have certain rookies we like or we're high on. You know, when can we consistently start getting ahead of the curve more? You know, going back to A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, huh? Terry McLaurin, how bad do we want to have those guys on many of our rosters? We probably have shares here and there. But when, John, what is the, what is the secret sauce to getting ahead of the curve more consistently? I need to know. If I, if I knew that, I don't know. I'd probably be over at ESPN, I would think, <laughs> maybe. I, you know, or at least maybe I'd be – I'd have a few Millie Makers under my belt. Something. No. Honestly, I think, I mean, completely goes off show notes, but something to look at is just go against Twitter hate because before the draft, everybody hated Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs wasn't even going to be a wide receiver in the league, right? And the, the year before that, everyone hated Daniel Jones because Daniel Jones sucks. He can't be a quarterback. The year before that was Josh Allen. Josh Allen sucks because all he can do is run. Now look at him. All those three guys have pretty good, you know, draft value. And so I think that's just one of the things when everybody is so against a player, just draft him because, I mean, what do we really know pre-draft? So what do we yeah. learn tonight? Go against the Twitter hate. Listen to Sam three years in advance with Tyler Higby, and you just got to be patient. <laughs> We're getting a few check boxes here. Exactly. Sam, the year is 2023. Who's a player that you're hyping up now that's really great? Pull your crystal ball out. Who is it? Well, I can just tell you two players that I did get in my rookie draft in my longtime dynasty. Like I, I did get Keyshawn Vaughn and I got Chase Claypool because Steelers Nation. But also, I love a guy that's got – how do I put this in a way that doesn't sound sexual? Um, he's a big dude. <laughs> he's such a big dude and he's a great red zone threat. And I want a red zone threat on a team that is you know, a high-powered offense that's going to throw the ball a lot. And being a loyal Steeler fan, you are aware of your team's track record with picking up wide receivers. John, how come you weren't on Chase Claypool? Well, apparently I wasn't uh, thinking of him in the sexual light that Sam was. Okay, so three years from now, Chase Claypool, get in now because he's going to break out in 2023. Now, uh, Tyler Higby this year, Sam, are you all aboard that train again? 
Yeah, I think so. And that's mostly because, I mean, obviously Brandon Cooks isn't there anymore. And just based on the the offense that has kind of shifted. And obviously it's been, there's been so much volume throwing there with Jared Goff. And I mean, if you look at his stats too, it's just, those numbers aren't coming down anytime soon. And so I want a part of that receiving core. And I feel like to me, if I had to, I don't even feel like this is a hot take, but to me, I, I would rather have any of the pass catchers there in with the Rams versus any of the running backs. Like if their main job is, you know, running and I'm, I don't want any of that. I want someone that's going to get open and be a possible weapon in the red zone for that reception. So to me, I feel like Higby's that big bodied guy. See, it's hard to make it not sound sexual. It always sounds sexual. <laughs> Sorry, guys. But, um, <laughs> but like, I'm taking I, I, notes here. If this helps win games, I'm starting to look for that now. <laughs> my, my strategy. That's the edge that Dan's going to find to it's, get the Millie Maker. All right. So how, broad are, how, how broad are his shoulders? How's he mm-hmm. looking, you know, in a crop top? What's this dude doing? As long as he doesn't Ooh. skip leg day, you know, he's someone that you want. I mean, I'm higher now on AJ Dillon after I saw that post on Twitter. I was like, damn, I guess I need to get some AJ Dillon on some of my teams. Crying out loud. Those quads Dalvin are the Cook's size legs of like, were lacking a little bit. I know. That's, that's worrisome. You want a running back that's got, you know, solid base. And looking through the, the the notes here, we kind of touched on some of it already, but this is an interesting one that I thought of. And you very well, Sam, you might not have anything here, but then I'll bounce it over to Mitch and Dan because I also have something on it. But looking to, to play it on the safer side, are there any other strategies that you can look at in Dynasty to help you gear towards that? And the one that I had, I look to trade back a lot early in startups. And I think that helps you minimize your risk because you're diversifying the assets You're not, like I said earlier, putting all of your eggs in a basket on that first or second round player to really produce, and you have more opportunities to hit on players a little bit later. So is there anything you can think of that comes to mind that would would fit that bill for you, Sam? And you you mean specifically like in building Dynasty, a strategy there, like starting at the beginning? Um, If you want to take it in an existing league, let's let's go that route. Either one. Um, I mean, for me, like... Youth is always helpful at the running back position, but I think that it's great to get a quarterback that you know has a long duration. I mean, as wonderful it is is to have someone like Drew Brees as in like as your first quarterback in a draft, it's great because you have that security, but also like it's dynasty. You want to plan for years from now. So you want to have that younger player that you can build off of. I mean, to me, that's why I would go so early as like in building a dynasty team. I would rather take Lamar or Mahomes early because I know what they're going to be for the next couple of years. I have that security blanket built in. So for me, I guess if anything in building dynasty, just the way the league has shifted with these crazy athletic rushing multifaceted quarterbacks, I'd rather get one of those guys on a starting dynasty league team than anything else. Like I don't want to just get a quarterback to get a quarterback dynasty. I want to get someone that's going to be a fixture of my offense going forward. And Mitch, Dan, and myself, and I'm not sure about you, Sam, we take part in a lot of super flex leagues, a lot of two quarterback leagues. So then the value of these quarterbacks, it's completely, um, obviously it's different than the one quarterbacks league, one quarterback leagues. And that's really where you can take advantage of that stability at the position. Mitch, any thoughts on your end? And also, did you get a haircut? Did we fail to mention? I sure did. It's about time. It was needed. We couldn't do it in the garage because it was 100 degrees. So, you know, we did it in the kitchen, but it, it turned out okay. I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah, I, I, I thought you did. And Sam, just so you know, Mitch's wife, she does hair. And 
we always have to give him credit because he's always looking suave when he comes on the show. I don't know how his his thighs are looking compared to AJ Dillon, but the hair looks good. Hey, that's awesome to have that. Just like your hair is always on point. You're always looking clean because I'm sure she's also like, um, babe, like just let me fix it. So she'll, like, she'll like just touch you up before like that's awesome. Yep. Every morning I just bring out the gel because I'm not allowed to do it. She's like, I'll take care of it. But <laughs> I completely agree with what Sam said is in Dicey teams, what I did previous years and I completely messed up on, I'd be willing to get a Tom Brady as a quarterback or Ben Roethlisberger. But now I want just a quarterback that I'm going to be good for four or five years. That's why we're drafting Matthew Stafford, Matt Ryan at their price. You know, players like that. Um, Daniel Jones right now, really big on him. And then to tie him into that. So that means I'm not having to spend that really high draft capital on one. That's why I'm getting George Kittle. Speaking of beautiful men who I want, you know, on a football team, <laughs> it's George Kittle. Like if I could have his poster right here on the wall, I think that might be my next buy, just a big George Kittle fat head. But what that does is it means your quarterbacks are set up, your tight end is set up every single week, and then the only risk you need to take are on running backs. And every single one of them is risky anyway. So why not take a risk at that position instead of doing it at tight end to where, you know, we're drafting Vance McDonald last year to tie back into the Steelers, you know? I was really high on him. Didn't turn out. You know, it could be the same case for a lot of guys, but if you have some like George Kittle or Kelsey, on your lineup, then you just don't have to worry about it every single year. Dan, do you have anything here? Something that you might be doing, whether it's a startup, existing league, to help you minimize risk in any position across the board? Two thoughts. First, you know, I got to give props to our boy Mitchell over there because he has been locked in. I don't know, you know, John, you've competed a lot with him over three years, partnering up on Dynasty teams, but I can see the level of discipline in Mitch uh, in building his rosters now from three years ago, with the exception of Gardner Minshew. He's still a little off track with how high he is on Mr. Minshew. But uh, for me, JB, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit opposite of your strategy. I think they're both good strategies. That if you employ them right, they work. You know, I side with Sam on getting that franchise quarterback. Now, Dak's normally my guy, but if I can't get Dak, I'm trying to get Watson, Mahomes, those kind of get caliber quarterbacks. But to me right now, it's paid off, not just being a Homer Dallas fan. If Dallas was going through mediocre years, I'd, I'd be on some other train. But a lot of my lineups have been built by trading up and stacking competition early. So I trade that draft capital next year, still end up with some Pittmans and Chenaults and Antonio Gibsons. And I have so many rosters right now with combinations of Dak, Cooper, Zeke, that I'm expecting a high explosive year built around those guys. So I've got that nucleus early from trading up and hopefully a little competitive advantage in most of my dynasty leagues. And they're young. They're, they're still young. Hopefully Dak is not going to listen to this episode because I think he'd be upset that you would even think about going another direction and pivoting off of him in any of your dynasty leagues. I think he'd give you a call and say, Dan, please take my cardboard cutout out from behind <laughs> you. At this point in the offseason, especially this year, we're finally getting some, some news and information and a lot of hype pieces. So what I want to do, I just want to go through a few different things that have popped up over the last few days. Are we buying into it? Do we think there's any uh, merit to it? Or is it just that a hype piece we're bored we've been cooped up for months it's finally something to talk about so sam i want to start with you this is from espn and it was a roto world blurb and of course the headline may have been a little deceiving but raiders rookie brian edwards is getting first team reps over henry ruggs what are your thoughts on that i mean i did think that was interesting um brian edwards was someone that i did have on my rookie draft list of someone that if i could get in a later round i would want to take um but I feel like that's more, to me, the, the receivers there 
Um, I was going to say in Oakland, but in Vegas. Um, we, st we still do the same thing. <laughs> I mean, I still say San Diego Chargers. I uh -huh. mean, I, I'm never going to get used to it. They're not really LA's team, but <laughs> we're, we're, they're not there. But for me, I think with this mix of receivers there, it's all going to be a wait and see to see what gels with the offense, who gels best with Derek Carr. So I think it's a little bit of like, oh, okay, just keep him on your radar. But that doesn't mean I'm moving him to my first round of all my rookie drafts. I'm not taking him that high. I think all of this hype is just that. It's hype. You take it with a grain of salt. Okay, great. They are getting, you know, some work in, but I'm not going to overdraft someone just because I see an article on them. Like I will look into them more, I'll probably watch a little bit more tape and I want to be aware of them. But unless it's something that happened, like Damian Williams opting out and someone immediately gets the workload, like unless someone moves, I'm not really, you know, not buying it. Mitch, what are your thoughts here? Because you see Henry Ruggs and I, I know that's your boy. It is. No, I actually completely expect Brian Edwards to get more snaps than Ruggs this year. Just Brian Edwards, when they're running, they're going to want him to block. They're not going to have Ruggs on the field to go and run block. So even when they get down the goal line, Ruggs probably isn't going to be on the field. But as far as values go, I still wouldn't change their values much at all because I, Ruggs is still that first-round talent who's going to get the big play potential, and Brian Edwards is going to be the guy who you know, kind of has to compete with targets for everyone else on the field. So I think Ruggs is going to have plays made for him. I don't know how much that's going to happen with Brian Edwards, as much as I love Brian Edwards too. And I'm not sure how much you looked into this at all whenever this blurb came out, but there were several receivers that were not even practicing at the time. So again, you definitely have to take this with a grain of salt. But if you like Brian Edwards before, it's the season for confirmation bias. If you did not like Henry Ruggs and you simply look at this headline, confirmation bias creeps in again. Now, Dan, the next one from Broncos.com, and I'm going to butcher this name probably, but from Aria Dalala, KJ Hamler can make a big impact early in the season. What do we think about our man, KJ Hamler? You know, that big impact, I like him to define big impact early in the season. I'd be a little bit concerned about that. Um, you know, I, I definitely saw that very fancy route he ran and, and, you know, having coached before and played wide receiver, the guy could run routes. I mean, I mean there's a skill set there. But I'm also reading that, you know, Drew Locke's under a lot of pressure in those practices. And let me tell you, if he is under a lot of pressure, Ken ha KJ Hamler's not going to have enough time to, to get that deep and get open. Uh, so th there's a lot of variables there. And I think as we watch these Twitter highlights, what I'm really watching is what are they doing above and beyond? And like you're, you're saying, JB, you know, what's the context behind it? Who else is playing? What situations are they preparing for in practice? I mean, even Mitch, John, could, you know, run a fade on air in a jersey. You know, I mean, that, that, that skill set's kind of limited there. So I'm just watching, you know, guys be declared superstars because they they, they caught a deep bomb deep with nobody covering them. No, Mitch couldn't do it, especially with a nope. helmet, because he can't mess up <laughs> that hair. Um, <laughs> Sam, Sam, KJ Hamler, did you like him before? And is this blurb changing your thoughts on him at all? I mean, I didn't have him high on anything, but for me, I mean, that's another, you know, offense where there's a mixture of receivers that could break out and any of them could see a big play from different weeks. These are also names, though, I think, if anything, when you hear this hype and you hear, OK, well, they're gelling with the offense. This is great. We're also still in COVID time, so we don't know if any other player is going to show up and just not be able to play that week. So that's going to be someone that you want for, you know, um, DFS. Okay, I do know that they work well. I'm going to grab that guy. They're playing this team. I feel like it's going to be 
you know, heavy passing game. Like I can take these risks. So it's just notes. I think that you just put in the back of your head just to keep in mind for those DFS plays later because of the depth and different opportunities. I apologize that you can. No, you're fine. Meowing. I apologize. No, you're, you're, you're that meow means you're in on Hamler. Hamler is a buy, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm no, like you half buy, like on sale buy. <laughs> you warned us all, uh, prior to the show, so I, I, I'm surprised it took almost 40 minutes for the first meow. But no, not not too bad there. I did not know much about KJ Hamler coming out, and I'll full disclosure. But Mitch and we're doing a few FFPC leagues, and I gotta say. I already spent my portion of the 500 grand because our teams are stacked, but we did a few FFPC leagues with our friends, uh, Mike and Ray over NFL rough draft. And this is a guy that they did not like, and they are so uh, honed in on the NFL draft itself, not even a fantasy perspective, but actual NFL side of it. And they were out on KJ Hamler and I'm taking their advice on this, on this one. Mitch, anything there? No, I was just going to add in, if you look at the offense, Judy's going to get more targets. Sutton's going to get more targets. Fancy going to get more targets. Gordon's going to get more targets. More than likely, Lindsay is going to get more targets as well. So how many is left for their, you know, fifth, sixth guy at that point? It's just as cool as he looks, you know, those videos are awesome. He's just not someone that I'll ever have in a starting lineup. And we've talked about this never. countless times. Would you say, Dan, never say never? He said, he said never. Like, you can't never. say never, Mitch. Like, I, I think it's a bet on the, Dem- the Denver Broncos. If the Broncos evolve, if that offense over time evolves. When you they may get a new quarterback fun. and an offensive <laughs> yeah. line. Drew Locke's not going to be throwing for 5,000 yards this year. I mean, we all want to see everyone get targets, but that's a lot of targets and that's a lot of mouths to feed. I just feel like that's kind of a cap on his ceiling. I was thinking no. about the three three-year Sam Holt plan. In three years, maybe. In three years, maybe. Right. We'll have to get the cat's opinion. If there's a meow, buy-in. If the cat is silent, eh, let's stay away. But it's not even a lot of mouths to feed, Sam. I think it's also just the, the passing attempts and the volume. It's not going to be there. And then there was the blurb that came out today that Melvin Gordon might have some issues with that altitude. And people, oh, you know, I knew Philip Lindsay was the guy. But I, I do think there's a lot of moving parts and changing uh, things changing there in Denver that – we don't know exactly how it's going to play out, but just like you said, Sam, I don't see, even though I like Drew Locke, I don't see 5,000 yards in his immediate future, at least. No, that's definitely a team where I feel like the dust needs to settle a little bit. Like, I mean, if, if Cortland Sutton falls to me in a league, I use someone that I definitely want because I already know what he's going to be, but everything else is a dart throw at this point. You, again, you got to wait for the dust to settle and figure out exactly what this team is going to look like. Cause Last year, it was like it could be some things, but it wasn't quite 100% clicking. So another year, I think, and then we can maybe all get on board the Denver offense hype train. And that's one of the situations taking it back to the safety aspect, Mm -hmm. seeing a little bit how it plays out and then making our move from there. Now, before we put Sam through the Dynasty Theory rapid fire and we're going to be discussing risk versus safe options, I don't want to get anybody hot and bothered here, but the last thing I want to talk about, I want to talk about AJ Dillon and his tree trunk legs, which we kind of talked about earlier, but Sam, not that you're going to change. I mean, I, I would hope nobody's changing their value strictly from that picture, but on Twitter, it would make you think that everybody's changing their value. What are your thoughts on AJ Dillon? What are your thoughts on, on Aaron Jones? How do you think it plays out? And or are you buying into AJ Dillon and those enormous legs? 
I mean, they they could sway anyone. They're 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 that big. I mean, my goodness. <laughs> if you if you weren't a fan before, you're a fan now. Um, but no, I mean, I think for me, you know, it's 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 hype. It is what it is. Until you see him play, then you're gonna know if he's really the real deal. But for me, if anything, I think it speaks more to my bias on my love for Aaron Jones over anything else. In that, when I did extend Aaron Jones, I extended him two years. I had the option for one, two, three years. I went two because I think that that's going to be about the time when AJ Dillon's going to kick in. I didn't get him in my rookie draft, but he's someone that I could see in that amount of time having that kick in and finally, you know, taking that role and running away with it, so to speak. Pun intended. There you go. I, I'm always, I always love a good pun, so I can appreciate that. And well, no, Dan and Mitch don't. They don't, you first don't of all, like they don't puns? like, no, they, no, they give oh. me a hard time every time I no, do no, no, it. No, 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 Mitch, you shouldn't say no. You should say we don't like John's puns. Yeah, yeah. I like you good like puns, puns, without yeah. a doubt. I'm a big fan of good puns. All right. are always accidental. I'm like, oh, damn it, I'm rhyming. How did I even do this? <laughs> Is it bad that, like, I kind of expect all of these athletes to come in in good shape? And so when they come in, like, they have these shirtless picks, I'm like, that's awesome. But at the same time, you're getting paid a whole lot of money to come in in shape. And so, like, I just job. kind of expect it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Dan, time out. What do you want, Dan? I'm not going to challenge Mitch, but I, but I got to call a timeout on that. You know, Mitch, you're right. In the, in the real world, you, you should do your job, you know, so you should be in shape. But how often do guys underachieve because they come into camp out of shape? And, you know, we, we go by the information that we obtain. So do I think A.J. Dillon's stock goes up because of his big quads? No. Do I think, you know, D.K. Metcalf goes up because he's jacked? No. But it checks a box. Kind of like Sam said, you know, hey, Ken Hamler, I'm going to make a note. I'm going to I'm going to put it in the box for later. At least I know when I'm drafting, that guy's in shape. It's one thing I don't have to worry about. So, you're right, Mitch, but I, I can't I don't think you could take it for granted. Rapid fire, Sam, and I always joke with the people that jump on the show because I rapid fire, sometimes it's not so rapid, and I don't know, Mitch and Dan blame me because I get long-winded sometimes. But if you want to spend a little bit more time on it, go ahead. If you just want to say a name, that's fine too. But what I did, I went through and I looked at for one reason or another, a player might be seen as a risk in going into dynasty leagues this year. And it could be because of the unknown situation, injury history, or we just haven't seen anything. So it includes a few rookies, but I compare them to players that are close in their ADP right now. So the first one, Sam, Clyde Edwards, a or Joe Mixon in a dynasty <laughs> startup today. Well, I think, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm supposed to be rapid, but I think between those two, I would probably go. Oh, that's hard. Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Um, I like the upside there, and I'm so biased. I never like having any Bengals players on my team anyway. That's fine. And it's not supposed to be easy. Dan, Clyde Edwards Hilaire or Joe Mixon? I'm going with the Chiefs, man. I'll stay away from the dysfunction in Cincinnati. If it was redraft, I go Mixon. Dynasty Hilaire. You know, I'll Mitch go Clyde Edwards Hilaire over Mixon in every format there is. All right, perfect. Uh, Sam, that was Sam this time. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. I got to give you a hard time. Over Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow or Matt Ryan? I mean, okay, wait. Am I allowed to ask questions in rapid fire? Is this for like your number one quarterback position in like a standard like league where it's only got one quarterback or is this super flex? Let's throw super flex. I mean, super flex, I would take Joe Burrow because I feel like for Dynasty, I want to build and I feel like he has a lot of potential. I mean, there's nothing but potential there. Obviously, they'll be rebuilding for a while. They've got a lot of parts to like move around, but I feel like that's just, there's such an unknown of such amazing potential. I would rather be in on that then have, you know, Matt Ryan with, I know what he is already. I'd rather take that risk in dynasty for Superflex specifically. Okay. Uh, Dan, Joe Burrow, or Matt Ryan. Just cause I know I'm not going to take Matty Ryan. I'm going to draft my franchise quarterback first. And then Burrow would be my guy for number two. 
Mitch, Matt Ryan. I like it. Sam. Now this is the one case where it's kind of injury concern versus that safe option. Cam Newton or Kirk cousins. And let's say it's your second quarterback in a super flex startup. I think I'm going to still go Cam Newton despite the injury history, just because I love the rushing floor that he presents. And I mean, if he can't throw what he should be able to throw with that shoulder, I know what he's going to get with his legs. So I'd rather have that. And I feel like, um, you know, that offense is so built for run first right now. I mean, the, the numbers have been going down as far as receptions are for cousins. I mean, I, I know what he is, but I'd rather have that upside of the rushing floor with Cam. Dan, Cam Newton, Kirk Cousins. Not even close for me. Cam Newton by a landslide. Scott Fishbowl, Cam Newton, and I'm guaranteeing top 10 this season, Cam Newton. Mitch? It's Cam. I mean, if I have to choose a quarterback that I want to tune into each week to watch, it's going to be Cam. So I'd rather have him. And this is going to be a 4 nothing sweep. I will go with Cam Newton as well. Last one, Sam. C.D. Lamb or Terry McLaurin? That's, that's really tough because I feel like Dynasty, okay, C.D. Lamb, I feel like he's just going to be one of these athletes that's just a spectacular, just he's going to be Hopkins-esque. And I can imagine him making catches out of anything and just being this incredible athlete. But you've obviously got such a mixed bag there. We've already got Cooper. You've already got Gallup. It's you know, they're fighting as far as it goes um, for targets. And I feel like there's enough volume to go around and it's going to be fine. But I also feel like the Washington football team <laughs> has a lot of like potential to grow as well. And McLaurin already has an amazing floor. So I guess I'm going to go with CeeDee Lamb because I feel like I have more faith in the long term of Dak than the question mark at quarterback that we're still waiting to fully develop with Washington. It seemed like you really had to talk yourself into that. I had to talk myself into that. I do that. (laughs) This was, I, and I do think, you know, by talking, I can't, I can't do it in here. It has to be outside. (laughs) And so everybody knows neither Sam, Mitch or Dan saw any of these comparisons. So this is the, they're going in cold here. Hence the, the hesitation there. Yes. Uh, Dan, you had some time to prepare with Sam going through her thoughts there. CD Lamb or Terry McLaurin? The right answer in my rankings say Terry McLaurin, but you know, come draft day, it's it's this guy, man. Give me 88. All right, so no bias there whatsoever. Mitch, uh, what about you? C.D. Lamb. I also will go with C.D. Lamb. So like I said, rapid fire, not so rapid, but I I, I love the, the information and then the going back and forth, Sam, the internal struggle that you relay to our listeners. So I do appreciate that. The struggle's real, and I feel like everyone goes back and forth on these struggles when, you know, you're deciding between players as they fall to you in drafts, and it's like, but I really want my guy, but am I reaching on him five spots? And I always think, you just go for the guy that you want. You want your guy, just go get your guy. And I I didn't realize how high I was on C.D. Lamb until we started to go through our projections, Mitch, and oh, yeah. we went through our revisions, which will be coming out, I believe, next Wednesday, hopefully. But then when we did the FFPC drafts, we walked away with CD Lamb in both that we've done so far. Mm-hmm. And again, I I did not think, but maybe I just you you have you have like the angel and then you have Dan Lamani on the other shoulder. Maybe he was just chirping. Dan in my always ear. wins. That's how it is. I don't want to say that I just called Dan the devil, but I don't think we would call him <laughs> an angel. Anyway, Sam, thank you so much for joining us. And we appreciate the cat popping in, making a few comments, some very sound advice from the cat as well. But yes. Why don't you let our listeners know where to find you on social media, what you're working on throughout the rest of the off season and anything else you might want to let them know. 
Absolutely. Thanks guys again for having me on. This was so much fun. I love talking dynasty. Dynasty is one of those things where I always get anxiety when I'm talking about it because these are my players. These are my guys. It's like you're building a family and you want to talk about these guys for a long time. And that's why you work so hard at building these amazing dynasty teams. So thanks again for having me. Um, guys, if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at Samantha R. Holt. On Instagram, I'm at Sam underscore awesome. And I'm a part of the fantasy focused crew and you can find the fantasy debate with Sam and Tate, me and my co-host Derek Tate over there um we've, i've also got a one-on-one -on -one with show that it's an interview show that i have different people on from around the industry so you can check that out most recently i think i had field yates was the last guy i had on and before that i had matthew berry which was super fun working on also a new movie podcast to come out soon so that'll be some fun random nonsense that has nothing to do with football and all to do with shenanigans so keep an eye out for that and i'll be posting that soon too I like how Sam casually drops in there for our listeners. Ah, yeah, I interviewed Field Yates and Matthew Berry, but I don't I don't want to brag about it, but yeah, yeah, no big deal. It was really no fun. Though. They're awesome I, guys. I, I've gotten to hang out with them a couple times before and they're really they're really cool dudes. We've had the chance to talk to Field, Stefania, and then Mike Clay. And I, I say for all of them, if you didn't know they were on ESPN based on the way they act on and off the air, you would think they were you know, just an everyday person, like absolutely incredible people, both on and off the air. But again, Sam, thank you so much for joining us. And then Dan and Mitch, we're going to kick it over to you for final thoughts. All right, Mitch, let's start with you. It can be about anything you want. Maybe your haircut, maybe, you know, not having your phone at all today at work, whatever you want. Yep. I'll keep it short. You know, thanks Sam for coming on. And one last thing is trade for Latavius Murray. Just go out and acquire him right now. I promise it's going to pay out throughout the year. Now, if you're talking to that cryptic tweet, apparently it was about a nail salon. Okay, just in general. Latavius Murray, you in heard general. it from Mitch. Dan, what are your final thoughts for the listeners? JB, man, you know, you and I were on the, uh, with our friends, the dynasty self-help there while Mitchell was being a responsible husband and human being. And, uh, you know, they, they broke me down and built me back up and said, I need some more hot takes. So I figured I would end our show with some hot takes tonight. Other than that gold mic over there, Sam, I got to get myself one of those. That, that, that's a hot, that's pretty hot. But um, self-take, hot takes, throw up the X. Dez is going to be a Baltimore Raven next week. I promise you, you're going to want to get him with the last pick in your drafts. And then the hot take that's not a homer pick is get yourself some Trent Taylor. I'm predicting he's going to be one of the best slot receivers and probably is even going to challenge your boy Jamison Crowder this year, Mitchell. I expect a big year from Trent Taylor. Was that last night or earlier today, Dan, you sent me a trade offer and it was Jalen Hurd, who obviously, I don't know if you've heard. Now give me credit. He, I, I did comment in there that he was injury, so I wasn't pulling a fast one. I did put a comment in there. And then you threw in a future third and fourth, and you're like, I don't know if you want the draft capital. I'll, I'll hold off for now because I also do like Trent Taylor, so I like that one a lot, Dan. Um, but again, Sam, thank you so much for, for stopping by and talking some Dynasty with us. And we want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Dynasty Theory FF. Stay safe, be kind to each other, and have a great night.